if I introduce it uh, now. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, but we'll come back, back in. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you guys ready? <sighs> ready to rock and roll. Okay. Do this. Oh. Four white men around the table. <laughs> Woo! For yourself, white, three white. white men and Ravi. Is that, is that, is that, is that, uh, yeah, three white. Two, well, I guess two, two white men and two mixed race men. Mm. Thank you very much. I tried to make a quick joke. <laughs> All right, we've started. I mean, we've clunked in. We've clunked in to the start of this podcast. <laughs> This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode, kind of, of uh, the Drunken Comedian Podcast. It's it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, my name is Matt Hoss and I'm the host of it. This is a pilot episode today. This is it was a test to see basically what kind of uh, plan we wanted to do with the podcast, see what kind of things we wanted from it, how it's going to turn out, and just basically testing out the the technical stuff as well. Um, So I got three fantastic acts after a gig just to hang out, have a bit of a chat over a couple of drinks, and uh, just have a bit of a chin work. Uh, So this isn't like the first official episode, but I'm going to release it anyway because it was a really good fun chat, and it's a nice sample of what the podcast is going to be. But essentially what the podcast is all about is that interview podcast, both of serious questions uh, towards comedians, and also just the rambly chat uh, kind of questions as well. So it's a, a, a half half serious, half fun chat with a comedian over a couple of drinks. And that's what the large base of the podcast is. Um, in every other episode, the challenge is, however, um, I have to edit it when I'm hungover the next morning. This is the only exception because um, I'm still figuring out a couple of the logistics. But uh, yeah, so in every other episode, starting from now onwards, I'll be hungover in both the intro and the outro to the podcast. Uh, well, hopefully hungover. Um, at the very least, a little bit groggy. Uh, and one of the reasons I started doing this podcast is because I, I don't really go out that much. Uh, and uh, I was kind of worried for my social life. So if it's under a podcast, that's technically that's technically my social life. And I have a reason to be doing it. A reason to be going outside and talking to people. Um, so yeah, we have a, a really uh, lovely array of guests to be coming onto the podcast. Uh, most of them are professional comedians. Uh, some of them are famous. Some of them uh, are new, up and coming, but interesting comedians. And it's it's going to be like a, tackling a lot, uh, a large variety of people, uh, which is should be really good. Um, as I say, I'm very excited about uh, getting on with the podcast. Uh, I shan't ramble for too long, uh, but. Uh, we're gonna just crack on. I hope you enjoy it. So, um, this, the one we recorded here, uh, was recorded on Friday the 30th of September, and that was after a gig that I run called Toys in the Attic in Canterbury. And we had the magnificent Dave Bailey, uh, Reverend Ravi Holy, and we also had Winter Phonander as well. So, three great acts and myself having a bit of a laugh, talking about comedy, um, yeah, if you enjoy it, um, please tell your friends, and uh, we're going to get the ball rolling. If it goes down well, if you guys really like it, we're going to get him out as soon as possible. 
but that requires you telling a little bit of your friends and stuff like that. So, uh, but I'll, I'll save all the details like that for later on. But enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Okay, uh, welcome everyone to uh, the first kind of episode of uh, the Drunken Comedian Podcast, uh, and I'm your host Matt Hoss, and I'm joined here by three great comedians uh, this evening, uh, on this podcast evening. Uh, on my left we have Winter Phonander. Hi, I'm Winter Phonander. And Winter, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a beer. A beer? Uh, from uh, a plastic glass. Because that's... it's quiet, because it doesn't bang the table when we put it down. Yeah, that's wicked. Uh, that's good <laughs> podcast technique. Thank you. And now uh, you're in your own podcast as well. Don't that's you? right. I do the comedy defect. I didn't say comedy defect. I wanted the, so it makes it sound more official. You know what yeah. I mean? The boom. That's yeah. it. Yeah, uh, that's a note to me, uh, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, next on we have Dave Bailey, Kent Legend. Hello, Matt. <laughs> that was a... <laughs> awkward for podcast listeners. Uh, and what are you drinking today? Uh, some watered down beer that you very kindly brought me. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, I believe uh, it's cool as light in a half pint glass. I mean, that's just sad on multiple levels, isn't it? It's light and it's oh god. Also, how do you thanks, pro- Matt? <laughs> how do you pronounce Coors, by the way? Because is it Coors or Coors or? Because I'm too Yorkshire to pronounce it as well. But, <laughs> how about like the Coors? Yeah, the Coors. 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 <laughs> but, but you can't be like Coors light, though, can you? It's two uh, very uh, different uh, words. Energies as well. <laughs> and on my right, we have the fantastic uh, comedian. It's Ravi Holy, everyone. And uh, obviously, uh, you're, it's a podcast. You can't say he's actually a, a real life reverend as well. Uh, so, how, how do you find the, the line between uh, being a reverend and being a stand-up man as well? Aren't you going to ask me what I'm drinking? <laughs> I will get to that. Okay. <laughs> So what, how do I find the, the, the difference between being a vicar and doing stand-up? Yeah. Uh, just slightly more jokes and less religious stuff. <laughs> yeah, but what do you do for your stand-up set? So, uh, what do I do for No, sorry. That was a, that was a very shit joke. <laughs> I'll edit that out. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's good. I like it. I like it. No one got it. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, what are you drinking, by the way? I'm drinking a lime and soda. What? Are you drinking an alcoholic beverage? No, because I am a recovering alcoholic and I haven't had a drink since the 26th of April 1988. Wow. Can you believe it? Um, Nearly 28 years. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very much. I didn't know it was going to be a support. I I had the idea for this podcast. I thought it was really cool because it means drinking kind of stuff. But I realised it's really difficult to organise as well because either one, it's uh, because drinks usually happen on an evening unless Mm. you're with a really depressed comedian. Uh, But uh, uh, so a lot of uh, comedians are busy on the night as well and uh, they don't really want to spend the time with me doing a podcast. But um, well, that's not true, Matt. We're your friend. No. I'd like to speak for myself I wouldn't say friends <laughs> <laughs> but I was like I'm speaking for me and everyone else just looked at me so I went friend <laughs> well, I appreciate that <laughs> you're welcome obviously we performed at uh, uh, my gig this evening Toys in the Attic mm. uh, uh, so how, how do you guys feel it went? <laughs> <laughs> the apprehension speaks for itself it was alright it was good it was good you had a nice you know, nice room filled with people they were all great oh. yeah I thought, uh, yeah, again, I, I, did, I think we kind of mentioned it earlier, but it was, uh, I, I thought it was a bit tough to begin with, I felt. Uh, it was a little bit of a uh, slog to begin with, but uh, Ravi came on and he smashed it as well, so uh, 
because uh, he has jokes. <laughs> Hack. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, uh, it's, it was really good. Uh, it was a fun night. And, uh, and Dave, you did new material as well. How do you think it went? Um, some of it worked. Some of it is shit. Um, but I deliberately didn't do any material that I knew would work. <laughs> but, that's the kind of crazy guy I am. I thought, mad. no, I'm going to stick with this. <laughs> and I improvised a joke about school disco, which I've never done before. Well, Because it was right. very loud downstairs and there is a school disco. Cast uh, listeners. So that was improvised? Yes. I mean, that was, that was fantastic. Well, thank you. I really liked it. Why, the mistake I did is that I spoke to the guy at the front called Ed mm. who wanted to be involved all night mm. oh, God. but whenever anyone spoke to him he shut up shop mm. right. so I was left going right okay well you want to get involved but whenever I ask you anything you're just going nope I, I found him quite a difficult audience member because even off stage he was kind of being like kind of uh, friend, which was nice I'm, I'm always a friendly kind of person to talk to but also when he was on stage he kind of he had a like, little conversation with people and like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of keep the focus uh, uh, but also what I find difficult with because uh, I do a lot of like crowd work during my, my, my sets is um, I find it difficult because you kind of rely on these people who are talking quite a lot but you, don't, you also don't want to make it about them as well you want to make it for everyone uh, well uh, Winter referenced that beautifully Oh, you touched the well, beard. You just shut him down. No, he referenced that the front row had been getting involved far too much, yeah, and so yeah. I speak to the second row. And they kept, they kept, and they also kept getting up, being rudely, oh, oh, every God. second yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. everyone's set. Like there wasn't a moment when one of them wasn't in the front row, yeah. and they would just sit at the back making noise, and it was just, it would, it, I mean, without you know being too holier than thou, no offense, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with reverend, but it was without be, without uh, being that, it was like. They were totally disrespecting the performers in the in, in of the room. You know, they weren't they weren't settled. Even when I'd spoken to them, they were trying to stare me out and like really? you know give it kind of give it that kind of well we are above this. We've already owned this room. They felt that's they felt they owned it. That's what I felt the mm. vibe from them. And so you had to crack them. And then you had the guy on the corner who was a little bit. Um, he was he he wasn't. He, I think he was a little bit drunk because he was a nice enough guy, but he had those kind of drunk eyes that looked a little bit okay. He's just about to have one drink too many. He mm. might lose his his, yeah. his his temper. And so, you know what I mean? That, that's a kind of crazy. Eye. I got crazy eyes too, but he had he had crazy <laughs> eyes. Oh, good for a podcast. But he had kind of he, he has had, got crazy eyes. Yeah, I can yeah, have yeah. That. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the Hannibal Lecter mask on now. I'm talking through it. Ah! But like he uh, he so he had talked as you said. He talked to him and he kind of kind of got self conscious. Then went and then it was just kind of try to it would bottom out your interactive bit that you're trying to do you know because he's not yeah, doing it it's bit. very difficult as a comedian mm. when there's something happening in the room you have to reference it you can't yeah. not reference yeah. it but then when you reference it the person goes no yeah, yeah. oh cheers it was, it was like I was fine doing my act there yeah. but now you've Interrupted, but, and the moment I get you involved, mm. it's it's kind of like that process, and you kind of um, I, I particularly see it as a comedian watching other comedians, uh, and in this room in particular, it's a very small room, in literally, uh, literally in a function room above a pub, right? And it's like it's so everything's quite noticeable, like mm. uh, so, uh, and these people were getting up in the front and second row, expect. Also, the second row is much harder to get out of as well because, like, uh, they have to make other people stand up, and it's kind of awkward because they're standing at your height as well, and it's kind of like, well, how, like, it's. Yeah, you feel like you shouldn't reference it, but you kind of like you kind of have to, or else like it's just going to create an awkward mess as well. But he he tried to jump in on and right in the middle of mm. just as you were coming to a punchline, mm. and, and you know I love the way you just went. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you just closed him down. Mm. 
in a way that he couldn't come back from. Mm. I mean, I know it was, I didn't want to be horrible because I was just, because I thought it was to take my own gig. And it's going, no, that's enough, we'll talk about later. And then just quickly, just and with the momentum of the whole thing. But then I got sidetracked about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, which didn't, didn't totally stop me for a for like, I was like, okay, I've gone to this different bit because I need to try and get the energy back up again. And then I was like, okay, fine, it's okay. I've dealt with that. And then I've referenced that and then gone back into the bit or and then, and then kind of tried to keep the momentum going because they were fine. They were fine, but they that that front row were the barrier to the rest of the room that were really enjoying themselves you know they as soon as that that that's the wall that's like mm, the, mm. the the middle class wall i'm going to be classes now but it's true they were very yeah. up their own arses yeah, um and it was a little bit kind of all right guys well you know okay fine why did you sit in the front row then yeah. you know why could you sit in the back and enjoy yourselves you know yeah. texting your twittering your friends whatever oh i'm out tonight oh i got to come selfie you know off you know, go on, go somewhere where where people have a, like drink cocktails and wine, drink wine all night, and oh fuck it, I'm such a twat. That's essentially <laughs> just because ah, I can't tell you. Oh, I'm not an angry comic. I'm not an angry comic. I'm so happy about my life. <laughs> Zen. Okay. Also, you shouted out about twenty minutes into your set. Yeah. And it was clear you were going up a gear to finish. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. It was literally when you were about to do the punchline. Yeah. Yeah. Even oh, a non-comic oh. could have seen you were mm. about yeah. to deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw um, actually uh, Dan Atkinson's gig in um, in Folkestone, uh, and uh, it's Paul McCaffrey who's headlining, and uh, he was doing an amazing job. That's great. Uh, and he, he was getting like again building that momentum, really going for it. Uh, but then, um, it was like because obviously it's, it's to do with the rhythm as well, mm. and. Uh, and, and this guy kind of shouted out right at the worst part like at the apex oh, of the no. joke and Paul was like you've really screwed me over there mate because I was about to do and, and what he had to do because uh, it was like obviously a drop of momentum and he kind of deconstructed that and but he also created the momentum out of that mm. so he kind of like he, he kind of stalled but he kind of Drew up the momentum again mm. by deconstructing it, and uh, it was a uh, it was a beautiful piece of st- uh, stand up as well because he he kind of he had a massive problem mm. which I think a lot of people have to face you know especially in like uh, weekend clubs mm-hmm. as well um, and it's uh, uh, yeah so he did fantastic of just kind of and uh, then he did get finally to get that final joke and it, it was like it paid off so much more mm. as well because yeah, he won them back over again definitely after yeah. that guy trying to get, handed him an anvil yeah exactly. no, thanks mate. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's so annoying. I would say I much prefer that though. An audience that shouts out. Mm. Yeah. If they just sit there smiling politely, I think, it's, it's not a lot I can do here. It's, it's a two-way street here. Mm. Uh, that's uh, that's why I did find it, I find it a little bit more difficult to make because they weren't that talkative. You know, uh, uh, there was a, obviously that's why I kept on talking to the front row because I was like, oh, the, um, the, but. Um, uh, I think my mo- most explosive sets. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of uh, middle twenties recently as well, uh, and I did one in Blackpool uh, mm. quite recently. And uh, and like I-, I love doing crowd work, uh, but I also want to work on my material quite a lot. Uh, uh, but it's uh, at this gig I wasn't able to do it because uh, I was like they they were talking so much. I uh, I uh, and they were talking well talking to me, not talking to each other. Uh, but I couldn't really do that much of my material. I, I got through like one story, mm. and uh, but it, but in that uh, it, we created like a one, like once in a lifetime kind of moment because we had created like a big bond with each other. And it was really nice. But then uh, um, the MC came over to me afterwards, and it, it meant it in the most uh, supportive way. It was like you need to work on your material. You need to have. You need to get in your material, or else you, you know you're not going to survive on the circuit, kind of thing. What, and, do you, what, what do you mean? You need to get in your material. Well, I think because I didn't, I didn't really do that much material, and I kind of, uh, I, I kind of, I, I think honestly, I did kind of rely on the audience a lot more. Mm. Uh, I, I, I kind of, 
Uh, I, I think I could have stuck to my guns and done my material much more, but I was having too much fun, and they were having a lot of fun doing uh, doing crowd work and stuff. But yeah, so... Uh, I, but then if they're not listening, what's the point? Exactly, yeah. You've got to win them over, you've got to win them over. Yeah. But we've there talked... are some gigs where you have to just throw your set out the window and go, right, exactly. well, I'm going to talk to this drunk bloke, and yeah. I'm going to take the piss out of this drunk bloke, I'm going to collect the money, and I'm going to go home. Yeah. Because and I could stand here and do my very clever act, <laughs> but they're not going to listen, it's just going to get louder and louder yeah. around me. But I think <laughs> that's a very important thing, so I'll, uh, but I think uh, Rob Deering, I remember him saying on the... Um, com pod that uh, material is a means to an end and the thing is you're put to do 20 minutes and your material's there to get you uh, there if you need to be but you're also playing live as well so you have to kind of uh, utilise that as well uh, yeah well, no, cause, well we've talked about this haven't we and I, I'm right at the other end of the scale where I've kind of got my material you know and I'm comfortable doing that and I you know I mean I'm trying to kind of create a little bit of space for interaction but you know, really, I, you know, I wouldn't know where to start with, you know, just... You're a lot looser tonight. Yeah, definitely. Mm. In that good meaning of the word. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more it's relaxed. Bad, I said, I told you, I told you, you had a bit of a swagger about you, which was mm. good. Mm. Like, I'm in control here, this is fine. I yeah. know this is funny. But, well, that's because, I, you know, as I said to you, I've, I've been doing, you know... But, but sometimes that's enough. Like, sometimes yeah. you don't have to speak to the audience. They just get a vibe. I thought this person's in control. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it totally does come with experience as well because uh, like uh, I, I, look, I was watching some videos of me about uh, uh, some of a year ago and uh, some of six months ago and even the one with six months ago I was like why was I saying that on stage you know it's like uh, and it's like uh, it's, uh, it's totally I've, uh, I've been trying to do about four gigs a week in the moment mm. so some weeks obviously because of life I don't do that but uh, I, that's my aim and uh, I try and do it as my average but um so, uh, like, obviously, you progress to the level you gig, uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun. To, like, just such a different kind of character on stage as well, and so much more confident. <laughs> this week, uh, I've done like a really weird gig as well. But uh, mm. I just wanted to ask you guys about uh, uh, what's been one of your like weirdest gigs you've ever been to. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit. <laughs> well, me and Matt have had this thing where we've done a couple of well, the single weirdest gig was when you know. Matt's driving me to this gig and on the way goes I'm a little bit worried about how this gig's going to go <laughs> and I went what do you mean wait? he goes well it's sort of like in a quite a rough pub and then and I was going well what you know what are you talking about you're making it sound like it's sort of you know the BMP's Christmas party and he goes yeah well that's what I do <laughs> that's sort of what what it is and I was like oh, he's obviously wanting and then we get there and it's this. I mean, because and I should have. It should have been a tip off that it was on St George's Day. Right? This is a St George's Day, and we turned up, and it's this pub with England flags hanging up, and you could see through the window all these big, beefy guys with gold earrings. And I thought, well, this is fantastic. You know, we are actually walking into a kind of EDL pub, and of all the comics he knows, he picks the half Asian. Vicar, and I'm going to be walking, you know, and they loved me. They absolutely, I mean, it was just, yeah, you know, it, was, it was so weird because mm. I thought I was going to get tarred and feathered and run out of town, and they absolutely loved my material. So. It was, it was in Maidstone, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I chose the uh, the act I knew that I had a car, so I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, I thought, no, I've uh, got no. a car, how dare you? Oh, yeah, but you know, you. you well, let's, uh, let's crack on. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was no, quite no. weird because it happened again, didn't it? Yeah, we had yeah. a second gig exactly mm. like that, where it was basically a kind of 
<laughs> it, was a, it was a motif of mine and Ravi, uh, Ravi and I's gigs uh, where, where there's some form of racism within it. Yeah. Uh, and the more racist the audience <laughs> are, the more they like me, mm. which is very strange. It's like they're compensating or something. Yeah, but, yeah. but in, in, in uh, I, I did a set uh, in, in the first uh, pub, uh, I'd say it was just outside of Maidstone, and uh, basically I got booked by a guy called uh, Dave O'Flynn, and he booked me to do it. And he's like, oh, mate, can you do this gig? I can't do it. It's £100. I was like, yeah, wicked. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I wanted to do a gig, uh, but they wanted me to do an hour. Uh, but the, the current hour I have is about my is my show called Vegetarian Man, and uh, they they literally didn't serve uh, like many vegetarian options. So, uh, but the thing is, uh, it was this pub, uh, and Ravi said there was St George's flags hanging down, but it kind of felt those flags had been there the whole time. It wasn't just for that day as well. Uh, and the thing that put the, the cherry on top, and this is uh, this is pre referendum. <laughs> There's a guy. Uh, the way uh, the guy said after uh, after I did the set, I was going to do my twenty minutes, uh, and he was like, "All right, mate. Um, I can I say something before you go on stage?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> and uh, and he, what he did is he got everyone to uh, um, say, "God bless the Queen," and, and they all said, "Oh, God bless the Queen." And he goes, "And remember, on July, uh, June the twenty third, vote Brexit." And then he introduced me to the stage. It's the weirdest introduction ever. And uh, it's safe to say they didn't quite like the rest of my material from that. They enjoyed my earlier part. I did like an <laughs> opening 15, but oh god, it was, it was a weird gig. Um, it was weird. But yeah, uh, and how about you, Dave? Any weird gigs from you? Apart from tonight. How long have you got? <laughs> uh, yeah. I once did a gig in a restaurant. While people were still eating. Oh. And I'd been speaking to the promoter for about half an hour beforehand. I assumed there was a room upstairs or downstairs. And he said, are you ready to go? I went, yeah, start. And he literally got a mic from behind the bar. Oh. A karaoke mic that was cutting out. And then walked into the middle of a restaurant where people were eating. I went, ready for some comedy? Here oh. you go. And handed me the mic. Oh, my goodness. Where was that, Dave? Where was that? Somewhere in London. It's, there was one in Marlowe's I did for Gary Shaw years ago in this, in this, this uh, uh, Indian. And it was in just outside in, in Marlowe. I think it was an Indian. It was yeah. in the middle, right at the pub. Someone got up on the, on the, the bar. Well, I, because the mic was cutting out, I, yeah. shout, I did 10 minutes and I was listening because yeah. they were eating their starters. Yeah. <laughs> and I shouted out, because there was still music playing in the restaurant. Yeah. And... I said, this isn't going to work when there's music playing. He went, oh, don't worry, mate. And he literally jumped over the bar, like out of a Western, and started fiddling about with wires. And then what he did was he turned the music up really loud. So everyone was like, ah! And then he couldn't fix it. <laughs> so everyone's sitting there, in their starters. I'm holding a microphone that's now not working. And there's music <laughs> blasting out, blood coming out of people's ears. And after about five minutes, he couldn't still fix it. I put the mic down and went, yeah, I'm going on, and just walked out of the restaurant. Oh, my God. <laughs> so That's... That was quite a weird gig, Matt. <laughs> that, is, that is bad. Uh, it reminds me, um, I did a gig, and, and he's a lovely man, but um, I did, it was a gig in Hastings, and uh, uh, and basically he's a, he's a taxi driver, and he's also a hypnotist as well, uh, so he doesn't, he doesn't really do comedy all that so much. So he knows uh, where you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the way he did it, he introduced us to first act, um, um, and he goes, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's Burning Manning, that's who he is. <laughs> uh, and he goes, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I've uh, got some comedy for you now. Here's the first act. <laughs> and then just left it. I was like, oh my God, that's not how you introduce an act. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, it actually did pretty well, considering, but it's all right. Uh, 
Um, and when to how about you? Any weird gigs? <sighs> like a lot of weird gigs. A yeah. lot. Of, like I did. I think the one that was the most kind of rings out is I did a gig in in Ireland when I first when I was first starting out, and uh, there was this this sort of future. It was I think it was a future forest. It was called. And this is in the, the 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 deep West Cork, where it's like a nursery and like a, all these kind of like hippies are hanging out and stuff. And there was kids there, which is awesome. And uh, and I, my set at the beginning was full of filth and dirtiness and every every dirty thing, shock stuff you could think of at the time. And I had like I did twenty minutes, and it, they were so stoned out their heads that I was just like, what what why am I here? What is the point of this? This is not this is not any. It's not, it's not helping anyone. I don't want to be here. You don't want me to be here. But I don't know. I think that the, the, the like I didn't feel threatened in any way because they're way too stoned to be threatened. But it was just like, why? Why did you want me to come here and do this? Yeah. You know, did you want to crush my spirit? You know, this is it. But but the like aggression wise, I think that it's probably been the fringe to like a oh, one gig man. at the fringe. Um, I, I I remember my first year at Fringe this 2013, and there was uh, myself. Um, I've said this before, Nick Nick Root, who doesn't do comedy anymore. <laughs> he, he used to run night, but I don't think he does comedy anymore. He's he's still around. Or Dave Cooper, which is his real name, um, and you've also got um, Albie Flowers, who doesn't do comedy anymore either. So I'm the last <laughs> of this these this the, the three musketeers to hang it on to the the comedy dream. And I was we're at the fringe, and and, and even Albie quit comedy before we got to the fringe, and so me and Nick had to do 25 minutes each. <laughs> So wow. we're like, oh shit, this is a baptism of fire. Yeah. Here we go. And we were in the uh, Jekyll and Hyde, which uh, is yeah, uh, yeah. the Ari room. It was an, ama- it's an amazing room. It was a great room. Now it's just a restaurant now, isn't it? That bit now here, here. They've done away with it. So we, you know, we, we don't, don't close gig that, that many gigs, but we close gigs, yeah. So that, that, that room <laughs> is completely gone now. And, uh, and so we went to do that. And, and there was like one of the nights, because the, the, the show we had on before us, Fucking rammed at 11 o'clock, rammed. After that, fucking ghost down. We had like two Norwegian women come in, and one night we had uh, about four like locals who were fucking well on at this stage. Yeah, they were like, you know, they talk about the crazy eye guy. There was like four people with fucking wild eyes in the front. <laughs> fucking, they didn't even have any white in their eye, which is black all the way through. <laughs> and then halfway through our set, we're going, me and Nick are like, oh, well, this is going well, isn't it? Are you trying to do, how, I'll just do, just, we'll just try and fucking, you know, get through this, you know? And then, and then the guy in the front row stood up and got on stage and said, here, mate, do you want a, do you want a line of MDMA powder? <laughs> And I was like, uh, no, I'm kind of busy right now, but thanks anyway. This is great. This is a great gig. Oh, comedy. Oh, I love Imagine it. Imagine doing so that. Like, because the thing is, like, uh, stand-up is a very unique form in terms of, like, it's the only one, the only form of art where the audience can determine the end of it. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, imagine that halfway through a theatre piece of Hamlet, and it's just like, mate, you fancy a line in MDMA? Come on, mate. <laughs> you might be stuck, you're killing your family, mate. Oh, uh, it was weird. It did, there was other people there, there was like four guys in the front, there was four guys in front, and there was another pe- other people there, and it certainly kind of brought the, the, the energy down a little bit, you know? It's kind of, kind of made it a bit of more of a weird gig, yeah, you know? Yeah. It felt like the walls were bleeding at some stages, <laughs> you know, weird. And uh, has anyone like had like any host- like hostilities in the well, game? I'm getting that was a, the the second Nazi pub that we played, <laughs> in, which was this kind of Millwall. It was Millwall rather Some high. Some you were on, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was like again a, a sort of bit of a, a mistake. And there was this Australian MC. Oh um, yeah. 
and uh, he was quite he was quite good and then there were all these kind of real hard men up at the bar kind of just talking I mean it was their local and for, you know we would we'd invaded their space really and they didn't mm. like it and as one of them was walking out the the MC made some joke and the bloke just turned around well, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll delete for, or you can edit this, but you know, this guy just went, you shut your fucking mouth, pal, I'll fucking kill you. And he was, I mean, it was really yeah, serious. Yeah. I mean, he was not mucking about. Cause this, you know, I, I mean, the atmosphere was just so awkward at that yeah. point. And fortunately, the, the MC was Australian, so he just wasn't that famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just sort of went, yeah, whatever, you, you yeah. know. But this guy walked out and he, you did think, it, it, I mean, it looked like this guy had gone off to get a gun. Yeah. It was that, that was, I was sitting there thinking, you know, and he, yeah. Matt, <laughs> and he was up next, you know, and being him, he decided that he was going to confront this situation. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I'm, I'm a very, like, I like to think I'm quite likable. I'm not, I hate confrontation. But if I'm on stage and someone's pissed me off, you know, I will... Uh, and basically, it was at, uh, all the locals were at the bar, and the only people sitting in the, the audience area were uh, comics. Uh, so it was kind of a weird atmosphere. It's kind of like uh, there's no point in doing the gig, and the people who could be giving attention were being rude, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and so, uh, and uh, they were just chatting and being kind of like... So I just kind of like accused them from being like... Uh, uh, like uh, a Brexit version of EastEnders kind of thing, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was really kind of weird. Um, <coughs> sorry, I remember, I remember one uh, there's one gig uh, that I I did recently actually, and he's talking about conf- confronting audience members, and I was the one I was on last, and it was you can like, say headlining. I wasn't. No, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. This was a, it was that caliber gig when I wouldn't say I was headlining. Oh, okay. It was one of those gigs. It was I was just on last, and uh, everyone went on and like. Throughout everyone set, this this group of people, this two guys and two girls, heckled the acts, and it was just and the MC couldn't deal with the heckling and didn't get everyone oh, in order and just go look, shut up, just get up, just get on this, and so fed the guy's ego all night and just let it happen and didn't have the the control or the the authority to do that. You know, it happens sometimes. You know, you're just not experienced enough, but that's okay. But so anyway, so I went on. And I'm like, oh, guys, really, guys, as you say, guys are really pissing me off. Oh my god, it's like, so I was like, right, went straight out the guy first thing out the, out the, out the gate. I was like, right, you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you, and that is what's gonna happen. And you, I've just been chatting all night, we talk about it. What the fuck? And anyway, two girls got up and left, and then the guy was there, you know, big guy now. Right? I'm only like, I'm tiny, yeah. and I was like, you, you, shut up, just shut up. You've been heckling everyone all night, and but I was in it in a nice way, but I was manic. Yeah. And I was like, no, you've been hacking everyone. I just shut up and just, you know, look, just, and then, and then he was getting more angry and more angry. I said, look how angry you're getting. I did that. Look, look, you're really pissed off. And he stood up. I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to give me a story out of this? You know, are you going to, are you going to give me a hook? Give me a nice scar down one side of the face. I'll have something to talk about. I'll, I'll, this will be great. I can make this into a fringe show. And then he stood up and was like, I was like, yeah, well, carry on, tell us a joke. I was like, I am. I'm, I'm doing my job. And, you know, and then, and then, and then he he was leaving. I said, "You carry on, fucking off out the door." And he left. But there was another doorway behind me on stage. Said, "Guys, if he comes up behind me, just let me know, okay?" <laughs> that was it. That was it. I was like, "All right, fuck it." You know what is he going to do? Okay, you hit me. Fuck it, fine. Right, that's fine. It happens. But you know what? Fuck it. It's it's it's. Think shit like this happens. 
Yeah. You know, and worst he's going to do is give me a great fucking story to tell someone. Like the next time, it's like, oh my god, I was at this gig the other day. I got my nose. Look at this fucking nose. Fucked. Look at this. Amazing. Fucking ugly as fuck. Amazing. I'm the best comic ever. This is a fucking great gig. You know, that's it. I lost a tooth. Fuck it, guys. That's it. Just write that shit down. Pain. That's what I want to hear, isn't it? Don't want fucking happy people. The, the best thing about. <laughs> The best thing about that is that you were like, there's a there's an Edinburgh show out of this. Totally, and, and, fuck it. And that's how all comedians think, Just, though. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, like the thing is, I'm currently writing a show. Uh, it's about kindness and morality, and uh, we kind of touched upon uh, uh, my my, uh, my 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 love life out there recently. Uh, we won't Ooh, go into. Yeah, she was but, nice. She was Nick Varel there. Well oh. done, mate. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, um, uh, but yeah, uh, it like. Uh, halfway through this very romantic moment, like I can't switch off my comedy brain. I was like, "This is a good, this is a good narrative point right here." And like, mm. I, I can't switch it off, you know. It, uh, it, in terms of comic, like in terms of my uh, artistic brain, not like, I'm not always funny. I'm like, in fact, I think I'm quite an unfunny person, but I'm doing comedy. Do. I've worked so hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's true. Not, not only do, have I, I mean, I haven't been doing it that long, and not only am I now seeing opportunities but some of my best mates who don't do comedy but who've been around me when I'm going oh that'd be they now do it for me oh yeah so they're now going oh that'd make a good yeah it's quite that's it's quite it's sort of it's it's very similar to uh oh can you tell us a joke it's like no no I can can never tell you I can never tell you a joke because I remember one time at a pub I was uh, it was when I first started out becoming a comedian, um, and uh, everyone in my hometown was like, "Oh, you're a comedian! Tell me a joke!" Yeah, <laughs> and right. and, uh, and I, I got to the point uh, I, was, I deflected it quite a lot. But there's this one girl I remember saying, uh, "Oh." And she said, Ooh, tell me a joke. And I was like, well, because it's not in the proper context, because comedy is all about context. Uh, the thing is, uh, I can't do it to you because it's not in the right atmosphere. Therefore, the joke won't be funny. Uh, you'll think I'm not a very good comic where I am a very good comic, but it wouldn't work right now in the moment. And she went, oh, okay then. <laughs> and that was it. I didn't speak to her for the rest of the night. So uh, that's, uh, that's ladies, listen to the podcast. That is... Uh, that is how I speak to you off stage. You've got the moves, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's why for years I didn't tell people that I did stand up comedy. But apart I've... from family and very close friends, because it's a weird thing. It is. People go. People either go, in my experience, they go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or they go, you're a comedian. And I'm not sure which is more offensive, to go, yeah, yeah you make sense that you're a comedian, or you're not funny in any way. How are you a comedian? And then they do do the tell me a joke, and you have to go. Well, we're sat waiting for a bus. Yeah. I mean, it's and also it's yeah. just me and you. It's a bit weird now. Yeah. It'll either come up naturally or because when I the, probably the first time I really had that conversation with someone, it's like and I did a bit explain it as well, yeah. which I I was quite proud of. You said James a bit, but um, it it seemed to me that part of the thing is actually when you are doing material. You, you're almost pretending that you're not telling a joke, mm-hmm. aren't you? That's the whole yeah, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. If, you, you know, the whole point is you're, you're, you act as if you're just saying something, mm-hmm. and you know, it, there's nothing. You know, you can't go. All right, I'm going to try and make you laugh now. That's not what. That's mm. not what we do. Which is why I don't agree with that promoter that said that to you. Uh, that said that you need to get more material because if they don't know that wasn't material if you were being funny for 20 minutes yeah. it doesn't matter that you've written it before and or you've said those words before 
Yeah, I, like, you I just need re- to be funny for that amount of time. As long as you were happy at the end of your set, it yeah. doesn't matter if you. And the thing is, I, I did uh, I did pretty well. I did better than the opening act as well. Uh, but it, but equally, um, I think in retrospect, there's a lot of my material, which I call material, which it it I think it it does look like proud work as well. Because there's, there's a new joke I do where I say oh, I've recently broke up with my girlfriend, and I kind of go, oh, half of you think this and half of you think that, but it looks like I'm playing uh, making it up on the spot kind of thing. But uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I, I I think I do masquerade a lot of my jokes as a, in the moment stuff. There's a bit oh. in my I do answer Dan routine, uh, and one of the biggest laughs of that set is uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, so and the way you said I'm, I do an Amsterdam routine. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Amsterdam routine. <laughs> like the thing is, like uh, I, I realize I realize uh, uh, in retrospect that uh, the Amsterdam routine is done by a lot of comedians. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, but uh, I um, but the thing is uh, uh, in this not the way that you do it. That's the thing. Uh, I I. Um, <laughs> I want to explain to It's getting darker and darker. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's so about him that yeah. no one else can do yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of go back to my... Uh, I'll do that point first and I'll come back yeah, to my yeah, original yeah. point. But uh, the way I do that Amsterdam routine, it's... Um, I think when I say a lot of comedians do, it's like, well, I did this and I, I fucked this last and oh, I did some marijuana. But like mm-hmm. the, the way I do it is... Um, it's. I think it's very encapsulating on my persona because it's anti-lad. And if you haven't seen it before, it's about me going to Amsterdam, but going with my mum. Uh, so when I'm 18 years old, my my mum offers me a prostitute as well. Uh, uh, so an idiot for that. mum. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Uh, um, I also want my mum's two elderly best friends called Barbara and Mike as well. But um, but yeah. So it's. Uh, but that's the thing. I think it's because it. Uh, I, I like that routine so much because it's about it's, it's so much about me and it's, and it's kind of like if you're going to get artistic about it it's like a, it's a statement saying well I'm actually not like these other comedians doing the Amsterdam story this is like an anti uh, Amsterdam story kind of thing um, what was my original point uh, <laughs> um, uh, you were t- talking about disguising material as improvisation mm. and yeah. you do an Amsterdam thank routine. you um, that was Bloody perfect. Uh, mm. the, uh, Ravi's the person who's not drinking, so they <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, in that routine, I do a bit, uh, uh, which did start off as uh, uh, improvisation, like a, a fluff. And basically, uh, I say, well, my mum pushed me towards the door, and I thought she was going to uh, take my virginity. I, I go, uh, and, I, and then I go, oh, sorry, I meant to say, make me lose my virginity. And it's usually this big laugh, you know. Uh, you can tell if it's a bad gig if they don't laugh at that bit. If they kind of go, huh. It's like, you guys are a shit audience. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so I think it's kind of, you kind of have to, uh, Bridget Christie talks about how, uh, uh, she has to hide points, like, like feminist points within the material. And I think I, I kind of hide my material in, like, kind of a loose way of speaking. Mm. Mm. I would say, having seen you perform a lot, you've got two different styles. Do I? Yes. You, your MC is very likable, very chatty, <laughs> and then your show is very clever, very well written, a lot more personal. Uh, that's uh, so like that Blackpool gig you're on about. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have done your. That's the thing. Um, they weren't going to listen on Saturday night to you talking about being a vegetarian but, and your family. They yeah. needed the other than that. Yeah. But that's that, just part of the job. Of yeah. Which do I need to be? That, that's actually really kind because um, I. I because uh, uh, I I think of myself uh, I like doing like these big fringe shows and I uh, said so I'm writing a show at the moment and uh, I, I love it because it's kind of like it's it's almost like I kind of treat it like theatre because it has a start point and also it has an end point as well uh, uh, so and it's also an, a narrative uh, but also it is stand up but it's just uh, 
but uh, but I obviously I can't I hate doing like uh, like t- like uh, like five minute sets because you can't cut in cups like that. So I've, that's why I've been working so much on like the crowd work and uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit difficult in that regard. Uh, but also at a point um, uh, Dave mentioned earlier, what do you guys, at what point do you define yourself as a comedian? Mm. <laughs> Apparently none of us do. At yeah, yeah. Um, what point do you find, well, when, when, do you know what, I think that's when you receive a compliment from somebody who's on the circuit for like 20 years and they say, I really like what you did there tonight. You know, you, you, and, and that means so much more than any other thing that, whatever competitions aside, they've been on the circuit for 20, 20 years ago. Right, okay, that, no, that was a really nice thing. You've got a unique voice mm. rather than just, oh, good set, mate. That's, it's, it means so much more. And then you define yourself as, because it's like, it doesn't matter because you're all so in, insecure about where we, where we are in the industry. We can always think we can do better, but I think that you, you, other people, you allow other people to define you. As, as a comic, you know that, that's what I, I feel for me anyway. And I think that becoming a becoming a uh, like it, you know, we're all so self-aware and, and so paranoid that I think that it's very difficult to define yourself. You're, you know, just define yourself as funny. Okay, don't put label on yourself as I'm a comedian. I'm, yeah, you're funny. Okay, you are great. You know, look, you know, it's just it's it. it I don't know. I, it's it's a weird, difficult com- yeah. conversation. It's like fuck it, you know. You get paid, great. Does, does that mean you're a comedian? You can get paid for a certain amount. You can get paid ten pounds. You can get paid five pounds. Get get paid three fucking pounds for a gig sometimes. Yeah. You know. So it's like you're still doing it. You're doing it. You're 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 surviving. You're writing. You're putting everything into it. I think if you if you love it and you're putting everything into it and you're you're dedicated, you've done it for a few years. Of course, I think you can call yourself a comedian. Yeah, you're you're constantly evolving and changing and and rewriting your stuff. Yeah, fuck it. Allow your put. Let's put the self um, judgment aside and say, yeah, look, fuck it. I'm I'm pursuing the, the the dream of being a comedian. So yes, I am a comedian. I'm thinking like a comedian. So yeah, why not? You're not. Why not being a comedian? You know. Yeah. That's it. I suppose I still tend tend to say to people, I do stand up comedy in mm. my spare time. Yeah, mm. because I, you know, I it, it would feel slightly over egging putting to say I'm a comedian. But that's an interesting point, though, because I'm sure you guys will agree, um, hopefully, uh, that uh, like you you see uh, a new act on the circuit that's done about four gigs in total, and they put on the Facebook page, "Stand up comedian." Uh, like it's like, are you? Are you really? Like, uh, but obviously, yeah, it, it's naivety, though. I understand I, what they're doing, though. Uh, I don't know. I think that I think that like there's two there's many tiers to the circuit, and you've got like the open mic circuit. Uh, the like full full open mic, the acoustic open mic. Then you've got the the paid uh, open mic. Then you've got the next tier. You've got the comedy collective. You've got the Facebook forum, and then you've got a third one, which is for the club comics who are gigging regularly. Uh, and you got to play the night to night club. You know the Glee, the Junglers. All these regulars get recommendations, so you can get into that forum. So you have the properly paid gigs, so you can you can survive quite happily rather than just just getting by on the dregs. You know, um, so there's three different levels, you know. So I think that maybe when you get to that level, I think playing the comedy store, I think is the stamp of approval. You know, he's like, right, fuck it, I play this place, look, fuck it, that's my, that's the thing. But you're still, you are still a comic. 
but it, it's just has a lot more clout when you have a kind of thing but that's only my opinion and oh, fuck it it's my opinion you know but it's, it could be wrong but that's why I feel that you can get a lot further when you have that stamp yeah. of that club you know what do you think I can give you the exact date and time that I <laughs> yeah. became a comedian yeah okay it was May 11th 8pm this year oh because okay. I did my first hour at the Brighton Oh, Fringe. wicked, man. Mm. And to think, right, an hour is a proper amount of time. I'm the only comedian on. People have paid actual money to come and see me. They've sat, they've not left, and they've applauded at the end. Then I'm a comedian. Yeah. Mm. Doing fives and tens, not so arrogant, is easy. Mm. A funny boss, someone doing a best man speech, can be fairly humorous for five, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's not that difficult, really, although some people make it look really difficult. <laughs> But when you're doing an hour, that's proper stand-up comedy. That's yeah. proper. People are paid and they're listening and you can actually really develop things and link things into a proper hour. That's proper hard work and a proper effort just to remember it all. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, is a proper comedian. Yeah. But also, as you say about levels, mm. I bet there's arena comics. You yeah. look at other arena comics and go, well, I'm not really a comic. That guy who's playing a massive... But even bigger arena is a proper comic mm. I think that's just part of the yeah the, what, what security maybe <laughs> yeah yeah. but uh, thank you. I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, I, I listen to a lot of interviews as well but it's, it's kind of weird that the, all the insecurities and all the worries and fears we have as comics at this level they never go away they just kind of evolve into different like like formats because like you, you can always like like I, I'm not really a jealous person, but uh, you, you can always see there, you see people who are doing really well. Because oh, they're doing really well for themselves. And uh, I, I, I think what I hear is like other comedians who are bigger. Like, oh, you know, Russell Howard's doing a, an arena tour. It's kind of like uh, it's, it's it's weird to kind of see that uh, <laughs> that these uh, they, nothing is ever solved. You know, you, you're never mm. number one. You, mm. you, it's always the thing is with comedy is unconquerable. You know what I mean? There's, uh, mm. there's, there's never there's, n- there's never an end point. You know, it depends mean? why you're doing it, though. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There yeah. are some people I won't name them that I've met on the circuit, and I think you're never going to find what you want. Mm. And what do you, what do you think they're looking for? It's a bigger life issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The love they're after from an audience is <laughs> it's never gonna they're never gonna find it. Dave, you can stop talking about bottomless me. Pit, <laughs> a bottomless pit of, uh, of, uh, of, of need. Even yeah. for a comedian, they're low self, they've got such low self. <laughs> it's like, you'll never, you're, even if you become professional and become rich and famous, yeah. you're still probably less happy than you are now. Yeah. Mm. Like, for me, to the detriment of my career, in the loosest possible meaning of the word, I only do this because I like making people laugh. I don't yeah. really care about yeah, rich or fame or the industry. I just like making people laugh. Mm, I, think, I don't take it personally if they don't laugh. Mm. I don't go home and go, "Oh God, mm-hmm. they hated me." Yeah. It's fine. I think it's a it's a it's a very uh, dangerous road you're going down if you go uh, if it is just for fame or glory. You know what I mean? Because you got to, especially with uh, arts as it is at the moment. If you have a, you've got to do it because you love it. You know, uh, and if there's if there's if you don't love it, why the hell are you doing it? You know, because I mean? like, I'm 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 devoted to stand up, and like uh, today I was thinking uh, I might make a joke out of it, but like I think I'm married to stand up because it's like a uh, it's it's who I spend my my, my time relationship with. You know, I spend all my evenings with stand up kind of thing. Uh, but it's a uh, it but it's because I love it. You know, I, I spend my time listening to it and listening about it, and um, like I don't like it's what I want to do. You know. So what I mean by that is that uh, like 
I don't understand anyone who would want to go into it for money, like, like, because there is nothing there. Like, why would you want to do that? Because everyone wants to be famous. Yeah, just like, like, it should be a byproduct. If you get famous because of it, so be it. But well, those kind of comedians you see very quickly on the circuit, they're all they're industry, industry, industry. They don't care about anything. They don't really like comedy. It's industry, mm. industry. Get on television become a presenter and I might do a bit more stand-up but it's not my passion I don't really yeah, love comedy yeah. I just need to get on television or become famous and rich I don't it just happens I can't sing I can't play the guitar stand-up looks pretty easy it's just talking isn't it <laughs> so they go on stage they get a fancy suit they get a fashionable haircut they run around the stage and someone goes oh they don't like should be on television they're on television and all before you know it they don't do comedy anymore hmm Rant I'm over. not sure. I'm not sure if that's true because I. I don't. I mean, there's so many people doing stand up that I think that, you know to actually, you know, get on telly, you have to be pretty good. I. You know. I mean, if you think. I. I Sorry, just Dave did a very uh, grimacing look. Uh, well, I, I. I don't know. I mean, I. I did sort of until recently have this kind of thing of oh you know I like Stuart Lee and I hate all the I hate John Bishop and I hate Michael McIntyre and you know all this sort of stuff there are comedians who are on television a lot who would struggle to sell out a theatre just because they're on television doesn't mean they're popular doesn't mean they're liked it just means they're on television but like who are you thinking of I'm not going to name them but there are I've heard many stories of comedians who are big they're on television a lot of shows but they struggle to get an audience because no one actually is a fan of them. Mm. They, they might like, oh, he's quite amusing, but they're not a proper passionate fan mm. because they've, they've gone far too quick to television. They haven't mm. built up a proper fan base mm. and people just assume they're a professional, popular comedian and, because they're on your television. And, I, sorry. Well, well, well I'd, I'd be interested to hear more about that once the <laughs> podcast finish. But just for example, I mean, I, I've been listening to some, I mean, I've been listening to Jason Manford recently mm. who before I was a bit oh, you know he's, a, he's really funny mm. yeah. I mean he is it's not Jason Manford <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but, you know but, yeah I know you know what you mean because um, I remember seeing him when uh, he was one of my influences when I was uh, I, I saw him when I was 11 years old uh, I was right. in Darlington he was doing his tour show and uh, I was just mesmerised by him. And one of the things that, that stays with me today and why I love stand-up is, uh, is that um, he, basically uh, he ran up the stairs uh, half through a gig and it was explosive. And he, uh, I was with my brother and my mum and uh, my brother had very long hair, very greasy hair. <laughs> and Jason kind of went up, ruffled my brother's hair, goes, you need a haircut, mate. And it was a, a really lovely moment because like, it was like he interacted with us and uh, it meant that this piece of art could like kind of touch us and it's something that stuck with me. And, uh, and I think I think it's with Jason. He's uh, like, he's worked so hard to get there as well. And he yeah. clearly loves comedy. That's what I mean. There's, there's yeah. certain comedians who drop it the moment they can. Well, that's, yeah. The geez. moment there's enough in their bank account and they've got other work, mm. they drop comedy. They don't care about yeah. comedy. Yeah. It was just yeah. a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I think that like ambition is uh, is can burn out on the way. I think, but I think that if you love something, you know, no matter how much it abuses you along the way, you'll stay with it. You know, if it really gives you just that enough to keep you going, you know, just to feed that that uh, joy within you. It's like oh, this is an, and you, every time you get a new bit, it's like oh, this is a new bit. I know this, this, this is the one. This this is my and every time you get that new bit and you love it, you go, this is my best joke for now yeah, this is the yeah, one I want to yeah. account the rest of stuff it works but it get, when I get yeah, to this yeah, bit yeah. they're going to fucking love this you know and, and that is the joy and if you keep that, that 
momentum going of, of keep turning over new stuff, then you'll keep the joy in it, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just burn out. I mean, my problem is I got into this simply to make my preaching better because I, mm-hmm. I, am, I am a vicar, I do sermons, I, you know, I have professional pride. You always use humour mm-hmm. to, you know, to make sermons good. So kind of did a course on comedy for vicars to, you know, mm-hmm. and along the way thought, oh, this is quite fun. I think I'll try doing this, mm-hmm. for, you know, for real. So of course now I'm so addicted to getting laughs mm-hmm. that in the pulpit, I'm now almost, I've almost just lost interest in actually preaching. So, you know, it's like, I mean, it's, it's all about the joke. So the I'm church uh, is a tough room, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm sort of like, you know, oh, I didn't, you know, someone's going to go, how was your, my wife, and my wife goes, how was the summer? Goes, oh, I just, I just didn't get enough laughs. You know, it's like, you know, what can I do? And then I have to go, oh yeah, no, no, that's, Imagine the heckle put down you would have to do in the pulpit. Like, no, you shut the hell up, <laughs> Mr. Johnson. <laughs> the, yeah, it's a. Uh, um, Jerry Seinfeld is the best example I always think of. Is that he has more money than most countries. Mm. He doesn't need to work. Yet he went back to comedy clubs to do five minutes where he struggled. Did he really? Yeah. Because he loves it that much. Mm. No, and if he can do it, then everyone he, else should be doing it. He is the richest entertainer in the world. Exactly. So he, he didn't got, need I mean, to go and do that. He didn't need to go and struggle that. in front of people yeah. going, that's Jerry Seinfeld mm. not being funny in front yeah. of us. Mm. But um, yeah, I've heard other stories of him. Uh, I think he uh, he came to London recently, did the comedy, uh, not recently, but a couple of months ago, he, he did yeah. the, the comedy store. Oh my goodness. And uh, uh, he opened with a joke which just died in its arse. Mm. And uh, there was a comedian telling about it. Uh, uh, and uh, she said that she was like, it's a, it's a great example. Uh, it's saying that we all have them funny bits and we're all, uh, we're all just trying to work it out. And uh, even Jerry Seinfeld struggles at the comedy store. Uh, but it, he did win it back afterwards. But it just made, he opened with a joke brand new uh, off the top of his head. And, you know, it's, it's great that he takes risks still, you know, because... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, uh, I love the fact that someone like Louis C.K. just kind of ditches the material every year. Like, uh, mm. it just have, it has a deadline, boof, loses it all. And it makes you, it makes him into a superb performer, you know? Mm. Uh, you have to, you have to have something, you know? Because mm. um, then you're performing for the right reason. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. you want to. Definitely. Because I remember very early on, I did, again, I won't name them, I did a gig with a pro act who was dead behind the eyes. Oh. And he was, for, 25 minutes mummed at me and bitched about other comedians, which I know is ironic coming from me. <laughs> and there was no joy in his face, absolutely none. And he went on stage, was hilarious for 20 minutes. And I was standing at the side, and I could see he was just going through the motions. These were jokes he'd done hundreds, maybe thousands of times. He wasn't engaged with the audience, but they were hilarious. Came off stage, still miserable, collected his money, went up. I thought, I don't ever want to be that. Yeah. Even though he's a professional... There is absolutely no joy in what he could mm. be working in a factory. He doesn't. Yeah. He's no mm. engagement. He doesn't. Yeah. Mm. Some of the references were like 10, 15 years old, so he's not even oh. trying to rewrite them. He's just. Mm. He has his 20 minute set, he does it, <laughs> he gets his money, he goes home. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's. Um, we're heading towards the hour mark, actually, oh, so we should. Uh, yeah, um, we should probably uh, try Time and wrap this up. When you're fun. Yeah, um, mm. uh, so uh, how was your drinks, everyone? Yeah, well, good, done. man. Thanks. Right. Thanks so I actually feel a bit sick from the kebab. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we're, drinking, we're drinking, you had the kebab. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've had a... not supposed to eat a kebab without alcohol. <laughs> yeah, especially this time of night. This yeah. is it. It's, uh, it looked like young... a posh kebab as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a salad on the side. Yeah. Posh kebab, that's going to be a new uh, startup, isn't it? In, oh, uh, 
Camden. Which is Posh kebab, guys. <laughs> with beers. Cereal <laughs> on top for you there. Yeah. Yeah. The day they gentrify uh, kebabs, the Tories have won, okay? <laughs> uh, but um, uh, you say you've eaten a kebab, and you, you were a vegan once in your life, right? I was a vegan. Yeah. yeah I, it didn't go very well because I don't eat fruit and vegetables. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to live off pot noodles. Yeah. Because they have literally no. Oh, you're a student. <laughs> <laughs> student picker. Uh, I was even a student, just unemployed. Oh. <laughs> and I got pernicious anemia, so I had oh. to sort of oh, just it's... go back to vegetarianism, yeah. and then I sort of went all the way back. See, the comedian me now is going as material in that. There is. Oh, no, I'm sure there is. But unfortunately, yeah, pernicious. Unfortunately, what's pernicious mean again? Pernicious is. Really bad. Re- yeah. Okay. okay. It's a middle class word for right. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Is really bad. Yeah, posh. Posh anemia. Oh, okay. Posh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, pernicious could be a girl's name, couldn't it? In certain circles. Yeah. My, this is my daughter, Pernicious. What was the name I, of that girl in the front? I've had a Pernicious kebab. Oh, um, <laughs> there's a girl in the front row. Um, I was like, tri- I, sure, I wasn't sure if she was taking the piss. Tri- but that was actually her name. Because like I. I, to be honest, I was, I'm quite tired and quite, uh, well, a little bit ill as well. Um, but, emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I in a group hug? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Well, that's how the podcast ends. <laughs> uh, we just kind of, we cry, we have a hug. We talk about how we, how much we mean to each other. No, but, uh, yeah. Uh, was, it, was it Triona, her name? Triona. Uh, well, she Triona. said it differently every time, so I thought... Oh, maybe it was like a modern Shakespeare, because, you know, Shakespeare wrote his name differently every mm. single time he did uh, mm. signature. So maybe it was like just... Triona, uh, I, I made a, a very funny joke that it was a Hogwarts spell. Ooh. It was hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, well, um, I think we're going to wrap up there. Um, uh, guys, uh, where can we find you uh, on the internet or wherever? Okay, you can find me at Winter Phonander, and uh, that's on Twitter. You can also find the Comedy Defect podcast, which has a Twitter page as well, same at the Comedy Defect, and we're on iTunes and Podbean. That's fantastic. And uh, Dave, how about yourself? You can find me on the internet on Twitter at Dave Bailey Comic, but I don't really understand Twitter, <laughs> so uh, good luck with that. It's still a piece of material like that, Dave. I just don't understand the game. Once I work out the game, it'll be fine. But... There just seems to be a lot of people who tweet a lot of dull stuff and they've got 25,000 followers. And I think, mm. what are they doing then? <laughs> okay. Uh, or you can find me at DaveBellyComedian.com. Yeah. Uh, you have a podcast called Beige Against Machine? I did for a show that is now ended, and so, so did the podcast. Oh. So, so, so don't listen to that. Um, well, you can't know. It's really good. I I've decided correct. the world doesn't need another podcast by a comedian. Yeah, why would you? Why would you set up a new podcast by comedians? It's just like it's hack, isn't it? Mm. But I'm, I've thought of a new one, but I won't. I haven't actually done it yet because mm. it's effort, isn't it? But, um, <laughs> so yeah, and uh, Ravi, help yourself. Yeah, I don't tweet, but I'm on Facebook. Ravi Holy, yeah, on Facebook. And well, thank you so much for listening. It's been I'm great. I'm in to church have. every Sunday. I know, I'm in Y Church every Sunday. Yeah, you go. Well, all the laughs. We're actually not there because we're we're having it re, we, we're doing re, rebuilding. Yeah. Time. So we're meeting in the local school. I don't think I don't know why yeah. I'm saying that. <laughs> 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 come did. on down. Some of you would like to come along to church. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what we'll do, uh, we'll we'll create a Facebook we'll, page. We'll do uh, about the school. Yeah, we'll, we'll all go down. We'll have a bloody lovely time, and we'll see Ravi smashing the gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for listening, uh, and um, we'll. 
uh, this will all be edited with me <laughs> being more sober and hungover. So it'll be fun. Isn't it uh, about you being drunk? Well, I'm, I've had two pints, and I, have, I wow. don't really drink, so I'm off my tits at the moment. So. Woo! Woo! Hashtag awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to uh, the first pilot episode of the Drunken Comedian Podcast. It's uh, uh, It was really good fun. Uh, I, I kind of hate listening to myself, which is quite ironic to have on a podcast, and quite horrible to enforce upon you, but uh, there we go. Uh, it's, it's weird to listen to myself speak, especially when I was slightly, slightly drunk, because I, I, I think I, I talked for too long there. There's a lot of points where I felt I was just talking for too long. So I do hope you don't... I hope it doesn't show me in a bad light. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, uh, I might I might even do a sober comedian podcast. Just, just to show that I'm a really cool guy. Really nice guy. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I it, it did seem a little bit like I was complaining a bit. But I, I don't mean it in a complaining way. I just... I'm, I mean it in a, in a very... You know, uh, just something is on my mind, but not not something I'm complaining about, but something that I I thought, but it, nothing annoys me really. Uh, just something I've had in my mind. But um, a massive, massive thanks to Winter Fernander, Dave Bailey, and Ravi Hawley for coming on and being my guinea pigs for the first first time. Uh, it's really, really lovely to have them, and they really said some awesome and funny things as well. That's also another thing. <laughs> there were some bits I edited out, like uh, just just. Like, I was like, why did I say that? So, I think like, we're gonna have a lot, lot of fun doing this podcast together. Uh, also, uh, I've got to mention, uh, in, in the first section that, uh, in this podcast, it, uh, it is gonna be uh, a little bit noisy in the background with a couple of people speaking elsewhere, uh, a little bit of noise, but it, it won't impact the quality of the conversation and of the podcast itself. Uh, it's very, it's largely listenable to, uh, so you shouldn't worry. If there are any problems, feel free to contact me at www.matthosscomedy.com. And uh, also, uh, we have a brand new uh, uh, Facebook page for the Drunken Comedian Podcast. You can message us there. That's at DrunkComPod. And you can also find us on Twitter as well. Uh, if you can give us a follow, uh, give us a like, that'd be great. If you do like this, and I hope you do... Um, can you give us, uh, well, please tell your friends. We, we are just, this is a brand new podcast. It's just starting out. So we would love people to get on board. So if you know someone that might be interested or will be interested in future episodes, because we do have lots of cool people coming up. Not to say that the other people weren't cool there, but we have some fantastic acts who I'm really genuinely excited to have on and have a couple of drinks with. Uh, but yeah, so if you uh, wanted to share it for us, that'd be great. I, I think we'll be going on to iTunes relatively soon. We're not, maybe not quite on iTunes as of yet, but if we are, can you give us five-star uh, rating, please? Because that would really help. It will get us onto the, uh, the new and noteworthy page, and we'll get a lot more uh, listeners. So, um, you know, uh, it's, this is all on you. This is all your job. Please get to it. Uh, no, but thank you so much for listening. Um, again, if you, uh, if you like me, uh, it's Matt House Comedy, and that's on Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, just follow me. It'd be great. Uh, and 
one final time, and uh, before I say goodbye, thank you for listening. It means a lot. Especially to a pilot episode as well. <laughs> so, thank you very much. I've been Matt Hoss. This has been the Drunken Comedian Podcast. I hope to see you soon. Bye! Thank you.